0: Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Hey, hi, everybody. How you doing? Good evening, Locked On Browns, episode 127. Uh, Before I kick anything off here tonight, I just want to thank you guys so much. Uh, You guys absolutely ate up the fan speak, ultimate GM thing that we did last night. Um, Look here, you know, with an T 12 team, a lot of teams right now, they're talking about playoffs, things of that, that nature. Like we're we're not as fortunate with the Cleveland Browns, but you guys really ate this up. You know, obviously, uh, you know, I know a bunch of people actually went ahead and bought it. Uh, You know, so it gives you a great way to look at you know the free agency process, players you're going to cut. Obviously, the draft process. It's a great tool by FanSpeak. It's something to get into. Uh, We want to do more of them. The fact that you know we got over, I think we're at 700 listens through like six seven hours. Uh, Obviously, you know, full intentions on doing some more of them. Just you know, glad you guys enjoyed that. Thankful for the feedback. Um, you know we, we got our Packers prep episode here this week uh, brought in one of you know my favorite guys uh, and you know glad Twitter you know was you know took him out of the uh, band mode and brought him back for everybody to enjoy uh, you know great dad, great husband Star Wars lover Packers beater uh, guy with only daughters like myself you know seeing Aaron with three is maybe only why I have two but Mr. Aaron Nagler Aaron how you doing?
0: I'm doing well Jeff thanks a lot for having me.
1: You know, one of the things you know when I when I first got this, you went down the schedule, potential guests, da 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 da. Packers came along. I was like, all right, well, we know the name there. There was no question about that. As far as the team, you know, obviously, you know, six and six here, looking most likely to have to win out or three and one. What are your thoughts on you know, obviously, you know, how Hundley's handled it to this point? You know, winning some games, it hasn't been you know that pretty, but you know, how has Brett looked to this point?
0: Yeah, I mean he's been inconsistent, but I think that's kind of what everyone expected. I think maybe the fandom probably expected a little bit more. But look, I think McCarthy's done a real Mike McCarthy, the head coach, has done a really good job of handling his young quarterback, making his first, you know, four or five starts in the league. Yes, he's been with them for three years now, but yeah, I think everyone's expectations were so sky high because McCarthy was so adamant about you know, how he had three years invested in Hunley, and they expected maybe not, you know, for him to come in and, and light it up and be Aaron Rodgers part two, but they certainly, I think, expected some semblance of at least growing consistency from Hunley's game, and that certainly hasn't happened. It's been very up and down. You've seen moments where it certainly looks like he can run the offense, uh, he can definitely make plays with his legs, there's no doubt about that. But the the accuracy has just been all over the map. You've seen him make some really tough throws, but then you've also seen him miss wide open guys. He just missed you know, the first drive of Sunday this past Sunday's game. He has Geronimo Allison wide open on a quarter out and just misses him. Uh and that takes points off the board. It's just it's those things that I think people have fans in in particular have gotten really frustrated with. But I actually think McCarthy's done yeoman's work as far as what he's asked his young quarterback to do. For the most part, he hasn't put too much on his plate. He's completely, I mean, it's funny looking back at his first start against New Orleans. At the time, everyone was like, holy cow, McCarthy has to open things up. He has to you know, take the reins off, so to speak. And now that we've watched Hundley play for a month, it's pretty clear that McCarthy had a really good handle on where his quarterback's strengths were, where his weaknesses were, what he could handle, what he couldn't. And he's, you know, called games accordingly. I think the only game that really got away from him was the the Ravens game. But other than that, I think McCarthy's done a really good job uh, kind of molding his offense around his young quarterback.
1: Now, would you say he's scaled back some of the playbook or has he maybe put in some stuff that maybe is a little bit easier for Hundley to deal with, you know, from what obviously the traditional plate of Aaron Rodgers is? This?
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely scaled back. And he's, you know, he's not been, you know, Reticent to to make that very very apparent and plain when speaking with the media, you know. Obviously, he's never going to be given the kind of responsibilities that Aaron Rodgers is. Although I do know, along the way, there have been times where hunley has changed plays at the line of scrimmage, and it's kind of driving McCarthy batty because it is built into the system where the quarterback has like check with me's and RPOs and. Uh, you know, one, two, you know, A, B, kind of, I, you know, ideas that the quarterback's given at the line of scrimmage, where okay, I can do this as called, or I can make this adjustment. Hundley seems to have tried to take a little bit of ownership of that, and as it's gone along, McCarthy has given him less and less responsibility. Now that said, there have been some really nice adjustments from Hundley along the way. Whether it's you know, in the Bears game, uh, the touchdown he threw to Devonte Adams was was a great piece of quarterbacking. He looked Aaron Rodgers-esque on that play, uh, and you know the third and two on that same game where he throws it up the right sideline to Adams. He's made some clutch throws. The fourth and six in Pittsburgh comes to mind. But yeah, you know, the problem is is those plays have been few and far between. Uh, for the most part, McCarthy's had to scale things back in the passing game. He's had to really lean on the running game, which of course you'd expect with a young guy under center. Uh, now getting to the running game,
1: uh, you know, the two, uh, obviously the two rookie running backs with Ty now out for the year. Um, is this going to be a, you know, both of them are going to see their carries. Obviously, you know, Williams is doing well. Obviously, you know, the yard per carry is not what you you know want to see. You know, obviously at the 3.7, Aaron Jones, obviously the injury, a uh, little bit of the off field trouble. But, you know, for the time being, he's here now. Uh, seems to be more the bigger playback is it going to be uh, a true, you know, I mean, I don't want to say back by committee, but because there's two of them. But is it going to be a, a focus on both of them getting their reps and getting their touches?
0: I know there's kind of at least along the beat, uh, some of my colleagues and guys you know who are with other outlets, there seems to be some a, a bit of a split here as far as our um, kind of opinions about where this is headed. For my part, you, you talk about the yards per carry with Williams, and I get that. but there's a distinct difference between the Williams who was getting carries early in the year. When, Ty, when he was just spelling Ty Montgomery on very, you know, few occasions, and the, the Williams we've seen over the course of the last two or three weeks. It's very clear that he has found kind of his vision, his NFL vision so to speak, where he was really kind of struggling there in camp and early on in the season running into the middle of the line he wasn't really seeing the cutback lane he was really struggling in that regard but for the last two or three weeks he's really come alive and I get that Aaron Jones, the production is there. He's obviously been much more productive. I don't think there's any kind of qualms of saying that. However, for me going forward with this team, if I'm Mike McCarthy, I want to lead with Jamal Williams. I want Williams and his power to kind of soften up defenses, and then I will kind of let Jones loose on some weak-leg, tired guys later as the game goes on. And the other aspect of this that I think a lot of people are dismissing uh, to their detriment, I would say, is Williams' ability in pass pro. He has been far and away the best back in pass protection, including Ty Montgomery, since the moment they kicked off camp this past summer. And that alone gets him more opportunities. That alone gets him on the field ahead of Aaron Jones. Because we've seen Jones already, in his limited time this season, mess up two pretty bad uh, pass pro assignments that have led to broken plays because of it. And that once was with uh, Aaron Rodgers in there, and once was with... Brett Hundley in there and look with with you know Aaron Rodgers close to returning here I can't imagine Mike McCarthy and the offensive you know the coaching staff wanting to throw out a back where yes he's productive yes he can he can break it he can be big time when he's got the ball in his hands but if he misses one assignment and and, you know you put Rodgers in danger of being back on the shelf as soon as almost as soon as he's out there for me, everything points to Jamal Williams getting the bulk of the carries going forward. But we'll see. We'll see, we'll see how McCarthy feels about it.
1: Uh, guys, everybody, thanks for listening. Episode 127 of Locked on Browns. Peter Brukowski does Locked on Packers. I joined him last night. Obviously, it's Packer week. Uh, guys, get that in your rotation so you're all ready for yourselves on game day on Sunday. Now, getting back, Aaron, to Aaron Rodgers, um, is he coming back regardless? And how soon is he back?
0: He's very close. Um, he's been throwing now for a couple of weeks, and he threw in front of the media today for the first time in practice. Um, he did throw before, prior to the Steelers game two weeks ago, and we all kind of took note of that because he was, you know, pregame on the field, and we were up in the press box and just kind of setting up and whatever. And then he started, he just came out with some, you know, a trainer and another uh, player and just started throwing it around. And we all kind of looked at each other and thought, wait a sec. And I, I said to my colleague, Pete Doherty, I'm, are you surprised by this? Because I'm surprised by it. And Pete was in the same boat I was. And then his final pass that night was just—he just uncorked this 50, 60-yard bomb, and it looked like nothing. And then we started talking to guys in the locker room, and they were all saying, "Yeah, you know, rehab practice, t- practice time—he's slinging it around. You'd never know he was injured." And then today in practice, he uncorked a 60-yard bomb, uh, like just hit Trevor Davis right in stride. So it's pretty clear that the throwing part of it is fine. Now the question becomes, You got if they win this game on Sunday against the Browns, it makes sense to see if they can bring him back. And that would mean they would scan him, and they will look to see how the bone is healed. And if he gets medical clearance, I would tend to think, yeah, he's good, probably going to play against Carolina. Now, that's a lot of ifs. The biggest part, obviously, is the scan. And if the scan reveals that there's any kind of weakness, any kind of possibility for rebreak, anything like that, the Packers' medical staff is notoriously conservative, and I can't imagine they would greenlight him if there was even the slightest chance of something happening long-term. Uh, but obviously, none of that happens if they don't win this game. If they lose to the Browns, I can't imagine a scenario where they bring Rodgers back. I just think the playoffs are too big a long shot at that point.
1: It, it, that makes an absolute ton of sense. Uh, I want to get uh, real quick here. Uh, Devontae Adams was a guy I got to talk to during his draft process. Uh, could be happier for the success he's found in Green Bay. Uh, there's a lot of teams with a lot of free agent money wondering if uh DeVonte Adams is uh going to make it out of Green Bay. Is that going to happen or nah?
0: I th- I think there's a chance. Uh mm-hmm. I've been saying all year that Devontae should try and get to the market because I think as you're saying, you know every year this is a league where the salary cap is going up 10 to 12 million dollars every every offseason the last several years and I don't think that this offseason will be any different. And every year, especially last year, if you remember back to the spring, there are so many teams that are so flush with cap space. that have so much money to spend. I can't imagine, especially when you look at the deal, the extension that Alshon Jeffrey just signed. Yep. I mean, Devontae Adams is going to, if he hits the market, he is going to get paid, P-A-I-D paid. He is going to get a monster deal. So maybe he, maybe the Packers come at him with a strong deal, slightly below market value and say, yeah, look, you can you can come back three or four years, play with Aaron Rodgers some more. It's a little less than you're going to get out in the open market, but you have shots at the Super Bowl every year, et cetera, et cetera. That worked with Randall Cobb. It worked with Jordy Nelson. Maybe it works with Devontae Adams. But again, if I'm Adams, man, I don't know. I'm this close, right? I'm what? Now we're four games away from the end of the season?
1: mm mm-hmm.
0: If I'm Adams, I'm trying. I'm doing everything I can to hit the market because if he does... He's going to make bank.
1: If they were to re-sign Adams, can they still keep Jordy Nelson?
0: I think they can. There's been a lot of speculation about Nelson, Adams, Cobb, the whole kind of situation with the wide receiver group because of you know the contracts that Nelson and Cobb are due, their cap hits. But I, th- I tend to think th- with what we'll see is some kind of restructuring with either Nelson or Cobb or even both. Um, where they reduce their cap hit, maybe spread the money out a little bit over the next couple of years uh, with their deals. But I, I, can't imagine they would straight up cut one of those guys. Um, I tend to think well, you'll see some kind of restructuring, and they'll try to bring Adams back. I mean,
1: you see, you think with a guy like Jordy Nelson, you know, as long as he's been there, and you know, knowing that he's Aaron's guy, I think he, I think he would kind of be like, I think he's probably the most approachable to say, hey, would you bite the bullet? And I kind of think Jordy would. He just seems like that type of guy, and that's a reputation he seems to carry. Um, Blake Martinez, uh, not really talked about a lot, but, you know, I was going through, and, you know, the tackles, uh, you know, the PFF grades. Blake Martinez, pretty solid player, huh?
0: He is. He's really taking a jump from year one to year two. There there are still deficiencies to his game that do pop up every week. Um, you know, he can be overmatched sometimes when, when you know, an uncovered guard or something gets to the second level. Uh, or when he's asked to really flip his hips and get into space and kind of try to take on you know, some of the faster tight ends in the league. So there are, there are ways you know, offensive coordinators will take advantage of him. And he's never going to be a, a, a true thumper in the run game, a guy who can shed a block and stick a guy in the hole or you know, even unblocked get in the hole against the bigger backs and like, bring him down at the point of attack. He, he is athletic as hell, though, and he does do a great job of getting sideline to sideline, and he does make a ton of tackles. Um, sometimes two or three yards down the field, a little further than you'd probably like, (laughs) but he is the guy who is kind of Johnny on the spot, uh, flowing to the football. And uh, there've been a lot of athletic offensive linemen trying to get him down in space. And he's really developed a good kind of feel for, you know, if it's a, a, you know, some kind of pulling guard or some kind of zone stretch play, the guy's going for his legs, whatever. He's done a really good job of kind of mitigating that, getting around it, jumping over it, etc. He's got a good feel for that now. And that happened kind of out of nowhere. I mean, this summer when we were in camp, he was a guy who I wasn't expecting a whole lot out of. And he really has turned it on in his second year. And it's, it's you know, it's been impressive.
1: It's you know, And that's the thing. He was, it's one guy where I just looked at the numbers and he literally just, you know, kind of jumped off. And it was like, well, there's a name I know. And when I saw the numbers, it was... It was definitely, definitely had me taking him back. Uh, guys, Chris Manning uh, covers Locked On Cavs. Uh, obviously, the basketball team's hot right now, doing very well. You know, uh, Cleveland supports Cleveland. Go ahead, check out Chris's show, Locked On Cavs with Chris Manning. Uh, you know, don't be, don't be, you won't be disappointed. I guarantee you that. Uh, I want to get a little bit to the defensive backs here now, a little bit, Aaron. Uh, you know, I want to bring up the two rookies. Obviously, you know, the bad news, which I only got about 15 minutes before this kicked off today. Uh, My man, Kevin King, I talked with him a lot during the process last year. Um, He actually agreed to come on with me. It did come on with me. I was a little nervous because he actually, uh, he was on the NFL Network, was scheduled to come on with me the next day. I had my fingers crossed. He dropped me the message after NFL Network, said, yeah, no problem. I'll still be on. Really good guy. Uh, It's sad to see, you know, it's ending quickly for him. So kind of give me a little, you know, recap, uh, you know, what did the rookie year go like for Kevin?
0: Uh, he's uh, pretty clearly the future at the corner spot uh, for the Packers, and with the ascension over the last kind like, of month and a half or so of Demarius Randall, they could have a pretty decent one-two punch there. Um, you know, he's he's taken his lumps this year. There's no doubt about it. There there have been times where uh, he's looked a little kind of maybe not lost, but a little overmatched at times. But for the most part, you know, all the physical tools are there. He's clearly got a really good feel for route concepts, reading you know routes before they happen adjustments at the line of scrimmage knowing when to kind of bump when to play off etc and the thing that's really surprised this year um and it may have been what led him to ir is his physicality just either in the run game or tackling ball carriers in space that was something that i didn't expect um but he has really proven to uh, he's not afraid to stick his nose in there first play of the game go watch the first play of the game of the uh the packers game down in dallas he takes down Ezekiel Elliott in the open field with no fear, and that's a big back coming at him, and he just takes him down all by himself. It, it, it's been impressive to watch, and it, like I said, it's the one thing I really wasn't expecting. I'd, I thought he'd be an okay tackler, but he has really shown a physicality to his game that I didn't expect. Uh, unfortunately, like I said, I think that's maybe probably exacerbated the shoulder injury that has led to him being placed on injury reserve. But I think a lot of people in the last kind of couple of weeks, we kind of saw this coming because he had been in and out of the lineup not just week to week, but like series to series within games. It was just clear the shoulder was going to be a problem until he gets surgery, and I think that's the plan for this offseason. season.
1: Uh, it's actually funny how you brought up the tackling because uh, he got a bad rap during the draft process because uh, he kind of dove at both scars. He did indeed, and that's kind of yeah. why what I was expecting, you know. And there, but there was some highlight reels. I mean, he played some safety at Washington, and there were, I mean, there were some plays, you know, against USC guys where I mean, he got in there and he got physical. He got nasty, but everybody went to that one play versus Bo Scarborough, who was probably a 265, 270-pound running back. You know, I looked at that, you know, and me, I'm a tiny guy. I'm like, well, that's just a business decision, man. (laughs) I mean, what are you going to get knocked out in the first quarter for of any game? But, you know, I mean, all the best to Kevin. You know, Kevin's been nothing but good to me. You know, sorry to see the rookie year came to end so quickly. But, hey, I mean, if you're going to go into the knife, you might as well get to it as quick as possible, get yourself ready for 18 uh, Josh Jones was another guy. Now, he was a guy that didn't get the hype he deserved during the draft process. Now, each week playing more and more. So give me some thoughts here on him.
0: Yeah, he's had an interesting year because all spring and all summer, we saw a really physical guy who wasn't afraid to light people up. I mean, he was hitting people in non-padded practices in the spring. I mean, legit hitting guys. He hit Jordy Nelson in one of, his, one of their first full practices this past spring. And, you know, we're all looking around like, who is this kid? What is he doing? And, you know, the physicality has always been there. And he is a guy who will will lay into a guy. And he's not afraid to take on, um, you know, some of the bigger offensive linemen when he has to blitz. And you love that physicality. And when he plays close to the line of scrimmage, uh, probably his best game this year, or at least I won't say his best, but his most productive game as far as, you know, really contributing to the outcome was week three tilt against Cincinnati. He had a couple sacks, a couple tackles for loss. A lot of the damage he did was up near the line of scrimmage. But because of injuries and because they've had to like move th- so many things around in the secondary, they've been asking him to play a lot more uh, traditional kind of strong safety, you know, in the two high and like he's had to play a lot in space. And his game is just not—it's just not translated yet. He's not getting it. And Darren Perry, the safeties coach, has mentioned on a couple of occasions, how he's swimming, you know, mentally, where, you know, Dom Capers' defense is no joke. The adjustments, everything you've got to do pre- and post-snap, there's a lot going on there. And it's clear that he is just really kind of struggling with that aspect. He's The more he's being asked to do in space, the kind of more lost he looks. And it shows up on the coach's tape. It, it shows up, heck, even on game day when you're just watching, you know, the, the game from down in and down out. He's constantly looking like he just is kind of a step late. Maybe taking an angle just a little bit off here or there. He's just not just it's just not his strength yet. Uh, I tend to think give him an off season, give him another season to uh, you know, off season to study the playbook, to go through the classroom aspect. I think he'll come back next year and he'll be a much better player. Uh, right now, the flashes are there, uh, but he's he's definitely struggling.
1: Okay, I can understand. Clay Matthews, Nick Perry. Uh, how, you know, how, where do you put this duo? Is this still the duo they were? Is it, you know, you know, we starting to show, you know, you know, is Clay starting to show a little age here, and they weren't the guys they used to be? How are those two working out?
0: Yeah, I mean, I didn't. I don't think anyone who covers this team or watches this team on a regular basis expected much from this duo when it comes to rushing the passer. I think maybe they probably expected a little bit more from Nick Perry. But Clay Matthews hasn't been a force uh, when it comes to rushing the passer for a number of years now, and he's able to take advantage of some of the weaker tackles in the league, backup guys, lower-end guys, but you know, you put him up against any halfway decent starting offensive tackle in this league, and they're able to stymie him one-on-one, and that's not who he used to be. Now, that said, he is still an extremely valuable member of the defense. He does a lot of stuff that doesn't show up on in the box score, doesn't show up on highlight reels. Uh, but he, he has been, this has probably been his best year in a Packers uniform in a number of years. Now, obviously, some of that is because he stayed healthy. Um, he's only missed one game this season. But, you know, for the most part, he has been a definite asset for the defense. Uh, for Nick Perry, I think, he's got to be the guy who, if you're looking purely at, you know, the fact that they have, they've kind of come into this season, as you said, thinking that those two guys were the ones who were going to get after the quarterback. You know, outside of, you know, he had a, a three-sack game in Chicago where, you know, two of those are coverage sacks, and one is he just takes advantage of a miscommunication from the Chicago offensive line, and that's not to take away from it. That's production. That's what, that's what you want from the position. But down in and down out, week in and week out, they are paying him an awful lot of money to get overmatched by a lot of different offensive tackles in the league, especially the better ones. And, you know, I think the hope now has got to be for Vince Beagle to show something down the stretch. Uh, to kind of augment this pass rush, because you're not getting anything from Kyler Fackrell. Ahmad Brooks has been in and out of the lineup with a back injury, and outside of those names, there has not been much to write home about when it comes to rushing the passer. So, you know, I think it's definitely been underwhelming, but i got to be honest, that's kind of what I expected heading into this season, Uh, especially after they pretty much passed on taking any of the many, you know, quality pass rushers that were in this past draft. Okay.
1: Um, Josh Gordon. Uh, back now with Cleveland. Um, now, this isn't a guy just coming back from an injury and with the fresh legs. This guy's coming back off of three years, and he's got fresh legs. Uh, you know, uh, Cleveland tried to feature the living daylights out of him, you know, versus uh, the, the Chargers. Uh, eight incompletions, uh, four targets that he did catch for 85 yards. How is Green Bay going to look to defensive him, defense him? And I got to be honest, man, you forget what kind of freak this guy is until you see him back on the field again.
0: Absolutely. And I thought, you know, I was watching some of the coaches tape of that that Chargers Browns game to this just this afternoon. I thought he looked great. And I thought if he has just a slightly better quarterback, he's probably putting up over, you know, well over 100 yards. Even if he touchdown. had down, even
1: if he had two more weeks of practice time,
0: easily yeah. about 150. I just thought I just he looks great physically. And yeah, as far as the Packers go, I got to think they're going to match up. They'll probably match up Demarius Marius Randall for most of the game. Now that King is out and Devon House mispracticed today with a sh- his own shoulder injury, um, I got to think Demarius Randle will get the call and they'll roll you know, safety help wherever Gordon goes. Now, obviously, there are other pieces on this Browns offense that, that they're going to have to deal with. Um, but I tend to think, yeah, I think Demarius Randle will get the the matchup there. And I tell you what, that kid's played really well the last month or so. And it's kind of been a, a big surprise because, this summer he looked lost, he looked you know pretty much as bad as he looked last year, which was pretty bad. Um, and then he got he, he it got so bad that he got benched on uh, a Thursday night game against Sh- the Chicago Bears a couple months ago. But since that moment, since he got benched very publicly, very um, national television, ever since then he has really turned his season around and he has played some really good football. In fact, this last week, this Bucks game, he played his best game as a Packer, I think. And so I, I think he'll be up to the challenge. I still think Josh Gordon's going to get his, but I think it'll definitely be a, a great battle to watch. All
1: right, I'm going to give you two questions here that we have from uh, some listeners before we ask for a game prediction. Uh, first one, if I ever get to Lambeau, and someday I will, what's the best spot post, uh, pre- and post-game for food and drinks?
0: Ooh, that's a good question. It's so funny because I, I go to my friend's house, so I don't really go out <laughs> that much. And I can't invite everybody over to my friend's house, but I will say the new Hinterland Brewery that is across the street from that opened up earlier this year that's across the street from, from the stadium is fantastic. Uh, they've got, you know, obviously it's a brewery, they got their own beer, but their, their menu is phenomenal. That's if you're like into like, you know, I like my nice food, whatever. I'm much more of a old school i like this uh, a place called krolls which is also across the street from the stadium that very much is like the kind of place my grandma and grandpa went to when i was growing up it's very much what i like it's they've got what's called a butter burger which is world famous or at least world famous if you know anything about green bay um (laughs) it's got an old school bar and that's my place i love krolls it's 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 you know no nonsense um you know, it's it's very kind of salt of the earth, and I I love it. I love crawls. That's where I go pretty much most of the time. Okay, well, there
1: you have it, guys. Has there been improvement from Brett Hundley these past couple of weeks, or or the Packers fans searching for hope?
0: Here's another one. Well, I think I, I think there's a bit of both, and I think the the problem is is there has been noted uh, noticeable improvement from Hundley. The problem is is it's it's there's no consistency. Um. You know, he has improved. There's no doubt about that. But he's so inconsistent and he's so inaccurate. I don't think there's any getting over that. Like You can improve as far as <clears throat> your ability at the line of scrimmage, your ability to read coverages, getting used to the speed of the game, all those things. But if you're just an inaccurate quarterback, well, then you, you've got to live with that and you've got to deal with it. And there's no amount of improvement to be had because you're just an inaccurate thrower. And I think that's what Hunley is. He's, he can make plays with his legs. He can, he can do certain things, but when it comes to throwing, just throwing the football, which obviously in 2017 is kind of paramount in the NFL, he, he's just way too inconsistent. And I think that's where the real fear lies, where you saw the Ravens game where he had four turnovers, three interceptions. Uh, it was just, it was, it was a debacle. And that was the one game where McCarthy, the game plan seemed to be try and let Brett Hunley throw the ball down the field. And it was an utter disaster. So I think you saw his ceiling in Pittsburgh. You know, you still, there's still issues. There's still things he's got to work on, but that's winning football. When you've put up, what, 31 points, you, you, you should win the game. Now, the defense couldn't hold it up on their end, but that is probably the most you can hope from, from Hunley. And I think if they get that kind of performance from him on Sunday, they should win. Okay, well,
1: now here we go to game prediction. Uh,
0: I got to be honest, I thought
1: this was maybe a winnable game till I watched Hunley in the Sunday night game versus Pittsburgh. Then it kind of really kind of maybe cooled my Jets from there. Um, obviously, for Green Bay, the, you know, you've already stated that this is, you know, a paramount to, you know, basically, you know, what's going to, you know, predicate what goes down for the next three weeks for this uh, Green Bay Packers franchise. You know, Cleveland, you know, for the most part, has been good against the run, so it'd be interesting how that works out. But uh, your thoughts for Sunday, Aaron?
0: Yeah, I think it's a real strength versus strength there in the run game when the Packers have the football. That's obviously what the Packers want to do. But as you state. The Cleveland Browns have a fantastic run defense. They're going to have to, you know, try and ask Hundley to do some things down the field. Although, I, to what end, I don't, I'm not quite sure. I, I tend to think the Packers should win this game. But I, it would not surprise me if the Browns kind of shocked the world, so to speak, and get their first victory. Just all the pressures on Green Bay. You know, obviously, you're, you're coaching for your job, so to speak, week in and week out in the NFL. Browns are searching for their first victory. That's all there. But I cannot tell you the nuclear explosion that will happen in Green Bay, Wisconsin, if the Packers lose this game. I have had people in my Twitter mentions, on my Facebook Live comments, uh, in my email inbox for the last month talking about this game. And I am not exaggerating. The <laughs> Packer fans are ready to you know show up with their, their pitchforks and their torches at 1265 Lombardi if the Packers lose this one. And I think it would be kind of ammunition for anyone who's ever had doubts about Mike McCarthy and his staff, about Ted Thompson's approach, uh, that they couldn't beat a winless team. Uh, I think that's it'll be a meltdown, the likes of which we have not seen in Green Bay in a long time. So there's a ton of pressure on this Packers team. Um, I do, like I said, I do think they get the win. But, man, if they get the loss, it's going to be something to behold. See, and that's one
1: thing where, you know, and, and what I've been trying, and as I've been watching this product, look, they are 0-12. But, you know, you know obviously Joe Thomas isn't here. But it's a solid offensive line. They yes. lost Emmanuel Ogba, who was probably quietly their defensive MVP. But this is a solid defensive line. They're secondary. They don't have a free safety, which Greg Williams, you know, covets. So he'll just take any safety he can and put him 30 yards off the line of scrimmage. But there is a lot of talent in that locker room. Whether or not the kid, you know, the head coach can, you know, get every drop out of it and contribute it to wins and things of that nature. It, it, obviously, it hasn't been seen to this point. But I, I don't think Cleveland's going to end up, you know, winless. I'd be stunned if they were, and they may end up the most talented winless team ever if that's the case. <laughs> and, uh, right. you know, for, for your, your Green Bay people, I got news for you Miles Garrett, guy is a. Yeah. S- Dar.
0: he's a problem he's gonna be a problem no, doubt.
1: Well, the good no thing is, doubt well the good thing is though is they're smart though and they take them off the field for you know five to six play stretches so <laughs> so there's that Aaron. so there's that there you go all right episode locked on browns 127 aaron niagler uh obviously packers beater packernews.com great enough for you to join us uh guys uh we'll talk to you all tomorrow let's go browns